You're listening to the Community Action Podcast, Building Opportunities for All, brought to you by the National Community Action Partnership. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Community Action Partnership's podcast, Opportunity for All. We're so excited that you are with us for Episode 2. I'm even more excited that we are joined today by my co-host, Jeannie Chaffin. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Denise. Glad to be here. Well, thanks so much for being here. We know many folks in our audience know who you are, but just to refresh folks' recollection, uh, you started, I know, your community action career many, many, well, years ago um, at Ozarks Area Community Action Corp. What was your first job in community action, Jeannie? Denise, actually, uh, I was a summer youth worker at that community action agency. That was uh, my first connection to community action. And my placement was at the central office for that community action agency. From a summer job to a lifelong career. Who who knew at that <laughs> moment in time? Yeah, and, I'm blessed. And I know that you also spent some time at the Missouri State CSBG office, and then you moved along to D.C. and working at NASCASP, um, our sister organization that works with all the state CSBG and weatherization offices across the country. And then we were thrilled a number of years ago when you were appointed the director of the Office of Community Services. You've had quite, quite the career path. I've been very lucky. And in that path, I've got to see so many different levels of community action. So I have a pretty good sense of what it's like to be at the community action agency and uh, be involved in community action board meetings or working with customers. And then the state of Missouri, I got to see our network from a state perspective. And then finally being at OCS was was quite amazing. Well, you've had an impact, I think, every step along the way. And we can't look to see, can't wait to see what you kind of do next. Um, and with your impact on community action for families across the country. And I know that today is our second podcast and maybe we'll have you back for a future one, but we're gonna be talking about a couple of different topics today. And we'll, we'll be right back with our start with the art of gathering and how we are a bit more intentional about the work when we sit down with one another, given how much limited time we oftentimes have with one another. I know we wanna think about how do we use that time strategically and in community action, we need to use those times optimally. So we'll be right back. The Community Action Partnership is a national hub that links over a thousand community action agencies to each other and to leaders looking for solutions that connect Americans to greater opportunities. We offer training and technical assistance to our members so they can apply best practices to their work in pursuing innovative strategies that strengthen families and communities. To find out more about how we can help your community action agency, visit our website at communityactionpartnership.com or give us a call at 202-265-7546. All right. Well, thank you for coming back to join us for our first segment here today. Um, Jeannie and I want to talk about both a book that we've both read um, and the author who we've both been engaged with um, in a very planful, intentional meeting space. The book is called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker. Um, Priya is the founder of Thrive Labs, and we had the opportunity to intersect with Priya on a national partner meeting that we'll, we'll talk about here in a moment. Uh, as someone who has facilitated a number of meetings over the years, I think a lot of the lessons that Priya talks about in this book um, how we've seen her actually use her techniques 
really matter and can make a difference. Jeannie, I, I know that you're the one who first met Priya and said, hey, it makes sense maybe to connect her with um, uh, a gathering of national partners in community action and doing some strategizing. You want to tell a little bit about how we started going down this path? Absolutely, Denise. So I met Priya um, probably in the fall of 2016, and it was um, as part of a visioning lab that she was holding with Obama administration political appointees, and they'd brought Priya in to help folks think about, you know, what what are you going to do when your time in the administration ends in January of 2017? And so I, in... Um, typical genie fashion had been postponing thinking about that <laughs> yep, uh, yep. for a while because I was all in in our work uh, at OCS. And so I kind of begrudgingly went to her visioning lab and sort of thinking like, is this going to be, you know, worth it? But but I need to spend some time thinking about this. So there are about 20 to 25 uh, political appointees in the room of from all of her government and I had never seen someone coalesce a group and get them to go really deep, really quickly, uh, as as I saw that day in that visioning lab. I was just really taken away with her ability to facilitate that group and get them to share um, and, and think about where they were going. And so shortly after that, I was pondering, you know, the kinds of things, Denise, that you and I and Janae and and folks over at NCAF and other places needed to do together before I left and um, talked about having, you know, as you said, a national meeting to sort of think about the transition and the future uh, in Washington, D.C. of community action. And so I proposed hiring Priya. And I think you and Janae thought maybe I was a little crazy. Uh, who, you know, who was this person? Um but, but as you often do, you said, let's go, and <laughs> yep. uh, we engaged Priya, and she helped us facilitate that meeting, which we had um, after the November election. It was in December, so we knew that there was going to be a significant transition, so that really heightened the importance of the meeting. Um, and we brought all the national associations, NASCAS, CAPLAW, NCAF, ANSERT, um, Community Action Partnership, the staff and the board members together, or the board presidents together, and I think had one of the best conversations that that we'd ever had at the national uh, level. It was a fascinating, what was it, we had an evening, which we can talk about here, and the intentionality that Priya, I think, brought us together for a uh, a dinner the night before we had a what and then we went most of that second day with some very intensive conversations small group conversations but her techniques I think really helped bring the group along through what could have been a a lost in the desert kind of agenda but she got to know us pretty quick through her process and she kept us on task moving forward for a very rich dialogue I would agree with you yeah I remember when we were planning that meeting, we had a number of pre-game pre calls, <laughs> right? And I think you maybe uh, gave me a uh, talking to one day, like, how many of these calls are we going to have, you know? Yep. Uh, but but we, re you know, looking back and after reading her book, The Art of Gathering, you know, what she was doing was really helping us define the purpose of the meeting. Mm -hmm. And that that's 
one big takeaway I get out of her book, The Art of Gathering, is how important it is to think about the purpose of your gathering. You know, we have all kinds of gatherings in our lives, in our personal lives, birthdays, family reunions, weddings, showers. Um, and in our work lives, we, we, we have a lot of meetings, many, many meetings. <laughs> Uh, and you know, those are board meetings and staff meetings. And, you know, I think what, what Priya sort of is, is contending in her book is that we have so many meetings that we've let the purpose of those get muddled a little bit and we are not being thoughtful and really creating some good space to think about why we're meeting. And sometimes we could send an email or just have a 10-minute standing meeting instead of having a long hour meeting. Yeah, one of the things she calls it, for me, it really resonates, is that a gathering is a social contract. Mm -hmm. And so if you are going to take the time and expense to have a board meeting, if you're going to have the time and expense to have a conference or other strategy session, that there's a social contract on all sides of that equation, both with the facilitator, with the host, with the attendees to come to that table in good faith. And I think Priya's, we may have had a couple of, one or two, too many prep calls maybe for, for my uh, comfort level, but I, I love the intentionality that we're gonna walk through who's gonna be there, who's gonna make the invitation. What does that invitation say? It's not, hey, join us at two o'clock on Tuesday. There was a lot, a lot of thought given in advance of that invitation even going out to frame the meeting up front for folks coming in the door. Right, and if you remember, Denise, we had a um, a workbook that we had to um, complete in advance, and she recommends that in her book that as part of the advance work, uh, you know, getting ready to um, do if there are exercises or advance assignments so that you can get farther um, in the meeting and you don't have to lay so much groundwork and you can go deeper, uh, quicker, uh, that you should think about those kinds of advanced assignments and uh, workbooks. So we completed a workbook for that, uh, that meeting and she talks about how she uses sort of a workbook or, you know, a questionnaire in advance of meetings to, to get people to to get into some of the thinking. And, and I have to say, I've used that technique a couple times myself with some strategic planning sessions that I've held with community action agencies. And I found that to be, to be a useful tool. I also found one of her other components was that pre-meeting. And we've begun to use that as well. We've had a couple of gatherings of folks over the last few months of CAP directors coming together for a variety of meetings and strategy sessions. And we've been trying to really incorporate that pre-evening gathering. And I've always been a long proponent that if you break bread together, mm -hmm. you can you can solve a lot of the world's problems. And, and pushing that to make that a formal part of the agenda that if you're gonna come, we needed to, at, during that meeting with Priya, right? We had the night before dinner. If you were gonna be there the day following, you had to be there at the dinner. You couldn't opt out. And it was a chance to break bread. And she did something called the 15 toasts. And you want to say a little bit how she did that 15 toasts and what it kind of meant to our gathering? Yeah. So we had, I don't know, maybe was it ended up being something like 20 people maybe in the room. Um, and 
we worked with her in advance um, to come up with a topic for a toast. And I think we came up with community, you know, we decided to toast to community action. So if you think about a toast, it's an opportunity to, to honor something, to talk about your connection to, um, you know, if it's a wedding to the couple or um, to a friend or family. In this case, um, we were toasting community action and we asked each uh, member of the dinner party to uh, speak about what their connection to community action meant to them. And so you, we went around and everybody did a toast and it really provided an opportunity for us to see different size that, sides of each other um, that we don't often see in, in our, our um, relationship. Uh, and that really set up a opportunity for us to be in a different place when we started the next morning. You know, when you talk about gatherings, it's a lot about trust and relationship. And um, we oftentimes you don't, don't think about how to prepare prepare the table. We talk a lot about the logistics, mm -hmm. whether we should have chicken or fish, maybe. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's a lot of work that can be done to prepare what happens to the people that are at, with the people at that gathering um, and the stuff between the people, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think this book really helps you think more about that and gives you some really good tips and techniques like the advance work or 15 toasts. Uh, and, and Denise, I found when I read this book that a lot of this I could think about applying in my personal life as well as my professional mm -hmm. life. So how to deepen my relationships with my family through having better gatherings. You know, we need to be healthy and strong in both places, right? This community action work is tough work. And um you know, the, the better our, our family and friend relationships are, the better our, our work uh, can be. So you kind of get a twofer when you read this book <laughs> in some ways, uh, because you can, can apply much of this in, in both spheres of your life. Agreed. Uh, that, that's an interesting way to look at it. It's a twofer, personal <laughs> and professional. And oftentimes, we think about our board chairs, we think of our executive directors, leadership team, whenever, or community coalition staffing. Um, a lot, community action play has a lot of different places where they are the convener. And I think another lesson of the book is that if you are the, the facilitator, you are the moderator, you are that convener, you have a distinct significant role to play. It's not sitting on the sidelines. It's, be, it's being actively engaged, uh, both for the prep, but also during the event. Um, and trying to be intentional about that engagement. So I think Priya's words are, don't be a chill host. <laughs> yep. uh, that's the chapter of one of the books, I think. Um, and, you know, you, you have a responsibility to your guests or to the people that you've gathered at a meeting to, uh, you know, as you said, Denise, make the best use of their time and get to the, the purpose and the outcome um, that you want to achieve. So, you can't do that necessarily by being uh, too chill, you know. Um, you, you've got to exert some, you know, gentle and compassionate authority um, and focus uh, on the meeting. And, and I think that's also makes me think about some of the things she talks about with 
you know, making decisions about who you invite to the meeting. You know, sometimes we don't want to uh, deal with conflict. So we invite people who maybe really shouldn't be there. Um, uh, and, and sort of taking responsibility um, for inviting the right people and making some hard choices can be difficult, but can really make a difference uh, about, you know, whether you get that purpose achieved or not. And, and I remember we, you know, had some good discussions about that with her when we were thinking about our meeting. One last thing that I found in Priya's book that, again, I think resonates with me and I'm trying to practice it is the anatomy of the closing. Mm. Some of her words, I think she even said it in our preparation, you don't want the last things you hear after a conference or a great meeting. Oh, by the way, fill out the evaluation forms on your way out the door, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opening, you can, you, you, they, she wants you to have an impactful opening. You can handle the logistics where the bathrooms are um, after you kind of start off on the right footing. Same thing on the closing, do your, you know, housekeeping things, but then find a way to meaningfully close these gatherings, which are oftentimes powerful. They can be emotional. You've worked together. That body of a group of people has kind of come alive in some ways. So for me, that importance of closure also resonated with me. Absolutely. That's kind of the Disney factor, right? Disney wants you to <laughs> to leave Disney uh, on, a, on the highest note possible. And so I, th I think that uh, this Priya makes that point here, and, and I think, you know, in your work, Denise, um, in conferences and, and really critical meetings, I think that matters. And, you know, if you think about community action agencies in board meetings, you know, um, you know, sending your board members out on a high note uh, could, could really help with, with many uh, different aspects of community action work. Well, and, and with that, we'll close out this segment, but I, I know a lot of times we'll, we'll talk about books um, and we'll talk about other books most likely on, on future podcasts that direct to some of our practice work. But this is a, a different kind of book for us to be talking about. But I think if you're thinking about board chairs, again, a lot of staff members, you're facilitating community events, community coalitions. Many of you have dinners and such where you're invi involving community folks. I think this book could be a really great read for board members and executive directors, board chairs, um, leadership staff, anybody who is convening or hopes to convene. Um, I think this could be a good read. Any last comments on the book, Jeannie? Well, it's an easy read, and there are lots of stories in it. And, you know, we've been reminded a lot lately about the importance of stories. So I would say, you know, this is a, another example of uh, how, how you can learn from stories. So I, I think people will like it. Um, and it literally has the prettiest cover of all time. So <laughs> remember the bookstore saying, I know that book. Yes, it's the pretty cover. So We'll be back in just a few moments, folks, to tie, I think, some of this intentionality to um, other parts of our work. So thanks again for being with us. The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker is available on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and your local libraries and bookstores. We encourage you to check it out to learn more about Parker's approach to productive meetings, conferences, and other gatherings. All right. Well, we are back. Thanks again, everyone, for sticking with us um, on the Community Action Podcast, Building Opportunity for All. I'm joined today again by Jeannie Chaffin, um, who many of you know, has a long history in community action, most recently was with as director of the Office of Community Services um, during the previous administration. Uh, the rest of today, we really want to touch on 
an element, a project that's been going on, the Partnership on Mobility from Poverty. You've seen um, myself reference the Partnership on Mobility from Poverty in some presentations, but we really wanted to take some time today to highlight um, some components of this work for you um, because we really want to be intentional about what we're exposing the network to and we think that investigating and diving into this material is an important use of community actions time and we hope that you will go online and learn more about their work. Um, Jeannie, you want to start us off a little bit talking about um, what what has struck you about the partnerships work and and what you think community action might want to take away from it. Absolutely. So this was an effort funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and it brought 24 of the country's leading thinkers and doers on solutions to poverty together over, I think, like a two-year period. And they really looked at the question, what would it take to dramatically increase mobility from poverty? What a provocative and yep. powerful question, right? And and definitely, I think something that when I think about our community action colleagues around the country, you know, that's what a lot of folks are, are asking themselves when they move uh, into their strategic planning process or just, you know, trying to think about how to, how to dramatically improve. And so they, last May, May of, of 2018, produced a report called Restoring the American Dream that sort of outlined what they found after these 24 experts went around the country to tribal places, to rural places, urban areas, just many different places around the country. And they came up with some insights and this isn't a consensus report, so they weren't looking for, you know, what's the lowest level of agreement we can get. They were really trying to push the envelope in our country's thinking uh, about mobility and addressing poverty. And um, they have three critical dimensions that they uh, sort of are challenging people to think about, and that's economic success. So, you know, that's one that we... Uh, all sort of commonly talk about. Um, but the other two dimensions, power and autonomy and being valued in community, are probably two dimensions that we don't talk about so much. And I was really, as somebody who's, you know, been in this field um, since before I could legally drink, Denise, um, you know, I, I really was so glad to see power and autonomy and being valued in community as part of, of the critical dimensions of mobility. Well, that's just it. To be successful in our country, we all rely on that component of being connected and helping people build that social capital, um, recognizing the social capital that people have built, um, that mobility from poverty takes a number of different elements to, to, help, uh, to help move the needle. Again, I, I agree with you. I think the economic success is a piece of it, but that concept of being valued in your community and that power and autonomy is critical. And I think it tied really nicely to how, how they framed their message. Right, they talk distinctly about we need to, as a country, change the narrative about poverty. And I, I think in many ways we hear extremely wrong negative, stereotypical narratives about poverty every day. 
and in order to help make sure everyone does feel valued, that we are giving power, sharing power and autonomy, um, that we do have to have an accurate reflection about what's going on in our country. Right. That sense of, um, of people being valued and people be uh, belonging is not in all the messages and the narratives that are coming out today, right? And so the more that those of us who believe that, that, you know, all people uh, are belong and have value and, you know, there are not throwaway people in this country, um, we need to be talking about that narrative. We need to be shaping narratives that, that send that message. And I think, you know, Denise, for me, for somebody who has been on this journey a long time to, to, to try to address poverty, it's always, it's always been difficult to, for me to understand why America um, lets this suffering continue, why we, you know, we, it's not that we um, don't know how to address this, this, the suffering that poverty causes and to stop it. It's really about the will. And I, I have grappled with this all my career thinking about why can't we create this will? And I think it, some of it is about that not everybody does believe that everyone is valued and everybody should have a sense of belonging. So if we start attacking that, if we start getting really purposeful, you know, we just talked about in the art of gathering our meeting, having purpose. Mm -hmm. If we really get purposeful about addressing um, and helping more and more people to understand that everybody has value. And in America, we need the gifts and contributions of everybody. If we're going to have a bright uh, future, um, I think that that really resonates for me, and and part of 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 what I think this U.S. partnership on mobility is recognizing, and and many of their um, the the people that were a part of this group, you know, I look at the the list of people like John Powell, who really you know can talk so eloquently about belonging and being valued. If you're out there and you haven't uh, YouTubed a John Powell video, do that. Yep. Um, he's, he's just so, so um, helpful on these subjects. But anyway, I think it's a key. It's a lever. And I think we really got to pay attention to it. But, but as you said, there's, there's other uh, interlocking strategies beyond changing the narrative and transforming data use that are really important to think about, too. Well, and that transforming data use, I mean... Again, that changing the narrative piece in the, the typical narrative that, you know, what has someone done to bring this on themselves, which we know is not the case. And if you're looking at the data and how we use data, you can be born or grow up within a mile of two, two different people could grow up separated by a mile in our country. And depending on the zip code in which they are born, that can have the greatest determinant of whether or not they have economic success in adulthood. So... I agree. It is it is about the will of our country to not make a mile, literally, um, the difference between success and not success financially for a family. It is so striking when we use that data in a way to tell this to tell the real story, to tell the real narrative. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of their other strategies, ensuring you mentioned um, ensuring zip code uh, does not. Um, 
uh, is not destiny. Really looking at some of the work of Raj Chetty, who was a part of this group, and that mobility in in a urban area or mobility in poverty can be quite different depending on where you're at uh, in the country. And then um, providing support that empowers. And with that, what they're thinking about in that strategy is that um, that people come to us as whole people and they have a range of strengths and needs. And we, we um, are disempowering them when we sort of look at them as sort of one single, you know, need or one single problem that we really need to look at whole families, which, you know, goes right along with a lot of the work that the Community Action Partnership is doing is supporting um, many community action agencies in the country who are trying to provide more comprehensive, coordinated services that, um, you know, treat people as whole people and recognize that, you know, poverty is complex. Um, it's systemic. And we, we really have to think about our systems and how we provide services uh, in order to empower and help people move, uh, become mobile and move out of uh, poverty towards, you know, more prosperity and, and really fulfilling their full potential. So thinking back to John Powell for a moment, and we've been blessed to have John Powell speak at partnership conference events, and he is amazing. Can't recommend the finding him on YouTube thing enough and his, his framing around othering in our country. And again, thinking about um, that inherent wrong narrative in our country, um, the challenge in our country around racial disparities when it comes to poverty and what the construct of a country that has built a structure based on a hierarchy of, of race um, if you're looking at the structural racism in our country, um, that is something that if we're going to dramatically um, increase mobility from poverty, we as a country are going to have to systematically tear down um, that hierarchy in our country that is based on race and looking to not other our friends, our family, our neighbors in our society. And if we're going to provide that support that empowers, making sure zip code is not destiny, that we're going to create good jobs. I think that structural piece about changing the narrative about what is really going on, how we treat each other, um, and where we stand as a country is going to be critical. That was a lot to throw at you, Jeannie, but any last comments um, before we kind of wrap up today's episode? Well, I, I think that I'm, I'm really looking forward. I think the partnership has really moved along in their evolution on, on, on this topic of, you know, um, of racial equity. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what else you might do in 2019. I thought your conference uh, uh, early this month really kicked off some, some great opportunity, but we've got to figure out how to help people build the muscle and the skills um, to to get at some of these issues. So I, I'm looking forward, Denise, to some future podcasts where maybe you really dig deep on that. Mm -hmm. So, so Well, we certainly have a roadmap um, from, uh, we had a group of folks meet um, over the summer. And one of the three things that I think you're right, maybe these can be future podcasts about what can community action do around a connected communities campaign where we do change and work to change the narrative on poverty, where we're looking at a whole family approach. And then as we talk about leadership, 
and uh, thanks for the shout out about the conference. We really try to frame an agenda that would build leaders and we need to be able to talk about the hard issues as leaders. So thanks for that. So again, thank you, Jeannie, for joining us here today. We hope everyone will join us for a future podcast. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Denise. The National Community Action Partnership recognizes the efforts that all of you are putting forth every day to make a difference in your local community. The Community Action Promise states, community action changes people's lives, embodies the spirit of hope, improves communities, and makes America a better place to live. We care about the entire community, and we are dedicated to helping people help themselves and each other. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and watch for our weekly episodes. We'll talk to you again soon.